to join in the singing much better than listening to me. (laughs) Uh, We certainly appreciate that. We're going to turn this morning to Ephesians chapter 4, continuing our journey through this little book. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 7 this morning. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all things, that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastor-teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. God blessed us with three children, and I'm going to be very careful what I say about those three children today because, uh, you know, years ago, when they, they were growing up, if we used them as an illustration, they would say, you, you owe us a quarter. <laughs> and that was fine when it was just a quarter. But then our, our youngest went to a, a Providence Bible College and got to comparing notes with other pastors' kids and found out that the going rate was a dollar <laughs> illustration. <laughs> and so since they're not here and none of you are going to tell them, I can get by with it today. But you know, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you would think three kids having the same parents, growing up in the same home situation, having the same environment and standards would turn out alike. <laughs> Danny. Do they have computers? Because the sermon's online. <laughs> uh, now, now you got me scared. <laughs> Uh, I was just thinking of that because somebody's on Facebook, somebody in the front row, and I won't mention her name, but, but uh, just just liable to tell them something about that. <laughs> yeah. But you would think having everything the same, they would turn out the same, but they did. They're a set of unique individuals, unique characters. I use that word carefully because it's going to get back to them. But uh, they, they each one are different, and you're all aware of that. If you have kids of your own, uh, they're, they're not all the same. They're, they're, they're all different there. The same thing is true in the church. Last time we looked at seven things that unite us together, uh, that, that bring us together into the body of Jesus Christ. But the fact remains, we're all different. Just look around for a minute, and you'll notice that we don't look alike. 
We don't think alike. We, we don't always act alike. We don't always hold the, the same ideas as the person sitting next to us. How in the world is it possible for us to have unity in the church of Jesus Christ when you have such a diverse group of individuals as we have in this room this morning? And I won't go any farther on that either. <laughs> it, uh, and so we want to look at unity in diversity this morning. Some people attempt to force unity when we lived in, well, when we, we went up on the 4th of July to Canada just to, to get away for a break after vacation Bible school. And uh, we were making our way up to Nelson and the road was closed. There had been a bad accident. There was a fuel truck that was upset and, and in an accident with another truck. And they said, it's going to be a couple hours before the road's cleared. Turned out to be about six hours. <laughs> But we were able to turn around and go back, and we went through Castlegar instead. And uh, along the way, we noticed a sign for a, a museum there, the Dukabar Museum. Uh, and uh, maybe some of you have been there. But, but there was a group that tried to force unity. They lived in a communal situation. They dressed alike. They ate alike. They, they, they did everything in common. And as, as we talked to the young lady that was supposed to be guiding us through the, the museum, uh, we asked her, are you a Dukabar? Uh, and she said, well, culturally, yes, but I don't hold to the principles anymore. And, and so she had, had moved away from that. But they, they were attempting to create a unity through uh, conformity to a certain set of rules and, and standards. That's not unity in the body of Jesus Christ. We are called to be one body, but many members. And so what is involved in that? What does, would God have us to do individually within the church of Jesus Christ? That we want to discover that as we work through this passage th this morning. And I think it's good for us to remember, as, as we were singing there, we're here to worship him. We're here to bring glory to his name, not what's in it for me, but what's in it for, for Jesus Christ. What does he want for our lives? What is his purpose for us? Why do we exist as a church? Why do we exist as individual members within that church? So let's explore some of those areas today. And I, as I say that, I, I, I realize... Uh, Years ago, we had an interesting time. We were between churches for almost a year. And during that time, we had the privilege. Uh, I had turned the church over to a, a fellow pastor, and I, I didn't feel right about attending for the first few months be, because I wanted the people to identify with him as their pastor rather than coming and saying, well, Pastor Dan, what do you think of this or, or that? I, I felt it was necessary to, to give him that time. So Ginger and I began to visit different churches in the area. And many of them, we knew the pastors, we had been in fellowship with them and so forth. But it was an interesting time for us to, to watch how different churches do things differently. A different order of service, different ways of doing things, different things that they emphasize there. Each one was uniquely different. And the same is true of us as individuals within this body. And incidentally, this is not a perfect church. Someone who's wisely said, if you find a perfect church, don't join it, because it will no longer be perfect. 
<laughs> and uh, but we are called together for the glory of Jesus Christ. So notice what the scripture has to say here about us today. First of all, in verses 7 through 11, we find we are a gifted church. Or excuse me. Yeah, we are a gifted church. Two areas here as we think of the gift of gifted church. The first is we have received the gift of grace in verses 7 through 10. I trust that all of you have experienced a measure of his grace. In Ephesians 2, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's just the starting point, though. We, we come to God. We are saved because of the grace of God. But then in Titus chapter 2, not only are we saved by grace, but he goes on to say in uh, verse 12 there that grace teaches us how to live. And then uh, as you move on into 13 and 14, it gives us grace, gives us hope for a glorious future as well. Notice how he phrases it here. He says, according to we are gifted here, according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's an interesting phrase in Greek. And I'm going to try to explain it in English, but uh, uh, capture what Paul was actually saying here. If I were to inherit a million dollars today, you would probably think I was wealthy. And uh, that would be true. Uh, I, I would have more than sufficient to live on. Now, now let's assume that I have that million dollars sitting in my bank account. And suddenly you have a financial problem that you can't resolve yourself. And, and so you come to me and you ask me for help. Maybe it's... Medical bills, maybe it's home repair. It's a bill that you can't pay. And, and you ask if I, I could help. If I gave you a dollar, I would be giving out of my riches. But you probably wouldn't think very much of that. If that, that, that was all I gave you. But if I gave you $10,000, I would be giving according to my riches. There, there's a big difference there. Uh, uh, it, it would be a gift in accordance with how God has blessed me. Now, the amount is not necessarily an important issue here. The, the widow gave uh, the last two coins that she had. It was a heart matter. But what Paul is saying here is God, out of his grace, or in his grace, has given us an unlimited amount of resources to face life today. He has gifted us with his grace. In Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 he invites us to come into his presence. He's our high priest there. He says come and receive grace from God. A few weeks ago we looked at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 where it says he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so when we look at the gift of grace, God has blessed us abundantly. God has given us far more than we could even dream or think think about. And that's just the starting point. In chapter 2, he speaks of the fact that in the ages to come, that's after we're home with Christ in glory, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. How is that possible? Well, Notice he says he descended, he came down to this earth, he left heaven, he went to the cross, died for us so that we could have eternal life. And then he returned and he's back with his father in glory today. And he says to us, 
Come boldly to my throne and receive the gift of grace today. I will gift you with my grace today. We have received that. Just a, I think we only understand a small measure of his grace. And we're just starting on it. And praise the Lord, there's so much more for us as we think of, of what he has done for us and all that he has done. We have been gifted according to the measure of Christ's ability and gifts there. And then not only has he given us the gift of grace, and I realize the second one's a little bit awkward construction, but you'll get used to it. Uh, He's given us the gift of gifts now, uh, spiritual gifts at at this point. Uh, uh, Back in verse 8, it says he he has given us, gave gifts to men. They involve the spiritual gifts that come out of, of verse 11 there. And I I realize this is not an exhaustive list, but each one of us is gifted by God. You are a gifted individual today. There there are many more gifts given in Scripture. Read different passages, 1 Corinthians and so forth, uh, Book of Romans. You will find uh, many more gifts. And I think there's more gifts. I I think they're just given to us as examples. There's many more gifts than than what is even listed in Scripture. God has a, a... infinite way of working through his people there. I had shared many times that I had a fellow in my church in, in Grangeville that uh, didn't know what his spiritual gift was. And uh, as I shared with him, I said to Al, I said, you know, I think you're gifted with the gift of mechanics. And he said, that's not in scripture. Maybe it's not, but the gift of serving is. And I think that fell under that. And when, whenever we had car problems, uh, Nothing gets to me quicker than that. Uh, I was always there with the answer. Always uh, had the solution and and, uh, so forth. And I said, Al, I think God's blessed you in that area. Sometimes our gift is our natural talent. Sometimes it's different than that. But uh, notice here he he only lists four or five of the gifts in uh, verse 11. He, he lists the gift of apostles there. I, I believe that gift has ceased, personally. When, when I look at the qualifications in, in uh, Acts and, and in uh, Corinthians for the gift of the apostles, I, I, I don't see it happening today. I, I know there are those that claim to be apostles today, but I think in the final analysis, they're false apostles. And, and so... Uh, I, I, that had its purpose in, in the beginning of the church, but I think that today we have the gift of prophecy, which uh, has two meanings to it. A prophet was responsible not only to foretell the future, and that's what we tend to think about when we hear that word prophet there, but they were also responsible to tell forth the word of God. There, there, there's a difference between telling forth the future and telling forth the word of God, but often it was the prophet that would stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God's word says. And, and they would call the people back to a right relationship with God. And that's still needed today. Perhaps needed more today than it, it has been for a long time. As we see our nation moving farther and farther away from God. We, we need a prophetic voice today. We need those who will stand up and say, this is wrong. And, and this is not the way that we should be going there. And then he, he lists the gift of evangelists, those who have the gift of uh, personal evangelism there, and then the pastor-teacher there in, in the local church. But the question is, why does he pick on these four gifts? Uh, and, and I 
say four. In your translation, you may see it as five. I think pastor-teacher goes together there. That, that's the, the, the role of the pastor-teacher is, is to, to teach the, the, the word of God there. But why, why does he pick on these gifts? Well, the second thing we see here is that you are gifted for a reason. As, as I think of spiritual gifts, I think for the work of God to move forward, God uses the saints. God uses his people, not just one individual, but all of them. We all have a part to play. We all have a, a role to fulfill in the work of Jesus Christ. It's not just a few individuals. It's the church that is responsible to do the work of the ministry. And that's the idea behind these gifts. They were given in verse 12 that uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service there. Uh, you have a work that needs to be done. You are not ins- an insignificant part of the body of Christ. You have an important part to play in, in the work of Jesus Christ. I think of the uh, when the Milan Cathedral was dedicated. Had a tremendous service there. It had been it's, uh, over a century in the building of that cathedral. And as the, the celebration was going on, one little girl was jumping up and down and said, she was shouting, I helped build it. I helped build it. And uh, somebody despairingly said, I'd like to know, little girl, what part you played in building this. And without missing a beat, she looked at him and said, I brought my daddy his lunch every day. She played a part. She, she was used of God. We would look at that and say, well, that's not much. In God's sight, it was. She had a right to share in the celebration because she had done the part that she was able to do. And so uh, we each are, have a gift to use for, for the glory of Jesus Christ. He will build his church, but he's invited us to be part of the labor force. He's invited us to, to serve together to the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, I realize some people are not going to use their gifts. Uh, they miss out on the blessing. God isn't obligated or uh, we're, we're not indispensable when it comes to the work of God. Uh, in the Old Testament, he even used Balaam's ass to get his message across. So if you don't do it, he can find another way. But you are the one that will miss out on, on the blessing there. It is a privilege, I believe, to be invited to serve the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But that comes down to our choice. Are, are, are we willing to say, Lord, I'm available. I'm willing to be used of you. Uh, I'm willing to, to do whatever it is that you ask me to do. Or do we miss the opportunity to be blessed in the process? I, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I wonder how many, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this, but how many of you were blessed by being able to lead a child to Christ during vacation Bible school week? And if you weren't blessed, how many of you or you didn't actually have that privilege, how many of you were blessed to be a part of it? Whether you were working in the kitchen, whether you were the cleanup crew, whether you were uh, going from station to station with those kids, uh, whether you listening to the verses, you all shared in the blessing because you were willing to say, I will be used, I will do the part that God has asked me to do. He didn't ask you to do it all, just asked you to do one role. And as each did their part, God was glorified. We are gifted for a reason. And, and in First 
and I, I missed that. I bet you had it in there already. First Peter chapter four, verse ten. Uh, the purpose for spiritual gifts is not for selfish reasons. He said, each of us have received a gift so that we can do what? We can serve one another. That's why he's gifted us, so that we can be involved in service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what that gift is. If that's the gift that God has given to you, that is a significant gift, a significant part of his work. And we are to use it to the glory of Jesus Christ. So we are a gifted church. The second thing that he says here is we are a growing church. Verses 12 through 16. Now, praise the Lord that we have grown. We've been here 10 years now, over 10 years now. And uh, I I still remember starting out over in the senior center. Uh, A good Sunday was 35 people. Uh, uh, We've grown significantly since then. And we're about to fill this building, so we're looking forward to to moving into that, but I don't think that's what he's talking about here when he talks about a growing church. Uh, that uh, that is an important area, and I don't think we should downplay that because uh, if we're doing the job that that he asks us to do, we will be attracting people. We we will be sharing Christ with others, and we will be seeing souls come to Christ. But we are to grow in several areas here. The first one is in verse thirteen. He says, we are to be growing in Christ-likeness. We are to be more and more becoming like Jesus Christ. I, I like 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It, in it, he says, comparing yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise. Do you, do you ever do that? You, you, you ever look at somebody else and say, well, hey, they're better off in this area than I am, and, and, and we compare ourselves, and I can't do what they do, and so forth. No, if you want a measuring stick, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. Are are you becoming more and more like Christ in your attitudes, in your actions, in your reactions, in in your speech and so forth? Are are you revealing more and more of Christ uh, as time goes on there? Have you grown in the last year? Have you seen some changes in your heart, in your life? Has God been at work in you and, and, and you look back over the last year and say, hey, you know, maybe I have grown in this area. Maybe I have become more Christ-like. Uh, we, we are to be growing as individuals, becoming more and more like Christ. It's so easy for us, if we're not careful, to make excuses. Well, I, this is just the way God made me. I, I, I can't change. And yet we forget the fact that if we're in Christ, we're what? A new creation. Uh, Throw away the excuses and and start saying, Lord, change me if that's what's necessary. Change change my heart. Make me into the image of Jesus Christ. We're also to be growing in verse 14 here in the truth. Uh, The danger is if we don't grow in the truth that we're tossed to and fro by every wave carried about by every wind of doctrine. And there are a lot of those kinds of doctrines out there that that would lead us astray if if we don't know the truth. We are to be growing in the truth. Tomorrow I go to uh, Liberty Lake for an ordination council meeting for one of our pastors. He's a new pastor there at... uh, the Liberty Lake Church. He's been in our district for several years, but just working through the process of ordination. Tomorrow we examine him to see if he 
qualifies for a, his ministry license with the Evangelical Free Church. Now, that's not the end of the process for Shane. Uh, that starts a somewhere between a three- to five-year process where he has to do it all over again. Uh, it, 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 this time he has to write a paper of about 25 to 30 pages. Next time it's about 40 pages. Uh, he has to examine all of our doctrinal statements and, and write what he, he believes they mean and what his view of it is and so forth. And then for four hours tomorrow, he will answer questions about the paper he's written. Uh, there will be a, about five to ten pastors and laymen there. Uh, we will examine him to see if if he qualifies for that ministry license. But then the next time he comes back, we expect to be able to see that he's grown in his understanding of the truth, that, that there's been some changes in his life and, and his thinking, and, and we will explore the, those areas with him somewhere down the road here. Because all of us have the responsibility to become more and more grounded in the Word of God. We are to be men and women of the Word. And have you ever noticed, uh, some of you have a schedule that you follow on a regular basis, you read through the Bible in a year. Have you ever noticed that when you come back the second year, you've missed some things? And you come back the next year and you wonder, why didn't I see that? Uh, you may not read the whole Bible in a year. You may, uh, I personally don't follow that. that I, I did for a while, but I don't follow that pattern anymore. I, I, I usually take a New Testament passage and an Old Testament passage and a psalm as, as my personal reading for, for, for the day there. Sometimes I'll read a chapter. Sometimes I'll read a verse. And God will stop me and say, wait a minute. You, you've missed this before. This is what you've got to work on today. But we should all be growing in the truth and in the word. That was one of the reasons for these gifts that he gave us here in Acts chapter 6. There, there was a problem in the church. You remember what the apostles did? They said, it's time to appoint some deacons in the church. Uh, and we'll give ourselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. And they'll give themselves to the, the practical aspects of, of running the church there. All right personally believe as your pastor my number one responsibility is the, the ministry of the word uh, uh, the, the preaching of the word in second timothy 2 we're called to study the word in first peter chapter 2 we're to desire the the ministry of the word there the milk of the word that that is important for each of us individually and, and collectively to be growing in the the truth to be in the word and letting the word get into our hearts and lives so that we can live to the glory of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 15, he, he calls us to grow in love. Now, in chapter 3, Paul, well, chapter 1 and chapter 3, he commends them for their, their love for one another. But then in chapter 3, he, he prays that they would grow in that love, that they, they may know the fullness of, of God's love. Now, they knew God's love, uh, and they were growing in, in his love. But there was more and more for them to appreciate and appropriate about the love of Christ. How many of you are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13? Any of you ever memorized that one? That, 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 that was a good one to memorize. He, that's the love chapter. I, I like to use it when I give a, a short message for a marriage or so forth. Uh, pick out one or two of the points from that. Love, love is patient. And you struggle with that? Any of you more patient today? Now, I won't ask for a show of hands on this, but uh, any of you more patient today than you were a year ago? 
it's amazing how that partner brings out that patience in us and, and how quick we are to forget it sometimes. Uh, love is kind. It's, and, on, and on it goes there. You know, we, we, we never f- have a full handle on love, do we? There's always more for us to learn. We, we need to be growing in love for one another. Someone has said truth without love is brutal. Love without truth is hypocrisy. So we need both of them today. And I, I think it's good for us on a regular basis to go back to 1 Corinthians 13. And ask, how are we doing when it comes to love? How are we showing that love to our brother or sister in Christ today? It's a tough passage. It, it endures all things, bears all things there, never fails. Why? That's a tough one, isn't it? We, we, we need to wrestle with those concepts. We need to be growing in love. And then the, the fi- final area that we need to be growing here is in the area of unity. He speaks in verse 16 that we are to be fitted together, held together, that we are to be joined together in unity. The idea that he has in mind there is we are to be working together to the glory of Jesus Christ. We each have been gifted. We each have an area that we can contribute. Uh, we're when he uses the body concept there, the, the whole body doesn't, isn't comprised of a hand. There's the head, there's the eyes, there's the ears. The, 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 every part is necessary and every part is needed there. And he has gifted us with those gifts to edify, to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And also to enhance our testimony to the world. Remember in John chapter 13, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? By your love, one for another. And as we seek to live that love out to the glory of Jesus Christ, our lives become a testimony to the world around us. There is no place in the church of Jesus Christ for personal crusades, no place for selfish agendas. We are here for the glory of Jesus Christ. As we labor together, as we each use our gifts We bring glory to Jesus Christ. Just a simple illustration of that is from time to time we have a dinner here in the church. You know what? If it was left up to Pastor Dan to organize that dinner, you'd probably have a disaster. Now, I I, I could come up with a good menu. Uh, I'd see nothing wrong with liver and onions. (laughs) Uh, uh, Matter of fact, in in our our church back in Ikalaka, uh, they found out that Pastor Dan likes liver, and so what, when they butchered, guess who got the liver? <laughs> and uh, that was okay, but I still remember a, a day coming when it was potluck Sunday, and uh, we, we were living below the poverty level there, and Ginger says, we, we don't have any meat. What, what are we going to do for potluck? I said, we got lots of meat. Uh, let's let's fish, fix liver and onions. And... Uh, she didn't agree with me, but uh, that was something we should do. But that's the only option we had. So guess what? We took liver and onions. And we, we even put a sign on the pan so that we, we didn't want somebody taking it that, that didn't really appreciate it. Uh, uh, I, I usually come late in the line when it comes to a potluck. and I missed out on liver and onions that day. <laughs> it was gone by the time I got there. Uh, the, the, most of the ladies would not cook liver and onions. I, I don't know why, but that was just, their, they just wouldn't do it for their husbands. And so when the men came along and saw that sign, they all helped themselves. 
And so if we were going to have a dinner, a good possibility if I had to choose the menu, we'd have something good on the menu. <laughs> but I, I, I already see that somebody wouldn't come if that was the case. Uh, but turn our ladies loose, and what happens? We have a feast. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just part of their giftedness there. Same thing is true of the worship service. We're, we're struggling this morning because Gary can't be here. Uh, was it last week? Dan couldn't be here, I think it was, or two weeks ago. But, and so I, I can fill in, but it's so much better when they do it. And the, the same is true of our, our service throughout the church and throughout the community. We each have been gifted for a purpose. Years ago, there was an article, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it sounds good, so I'm going to read it to you. It came in the Leadership Magazine. It says, what good is a tree? Actually, it came out of the Reader's Digest, but it was reprinted in Leadership Magazine. In Reader's Digest, it explained that when the roots of trees touch, there is a substance present that reduces competition. In fact, this unknown fungus helps link roots of different trees, even of dissimilar species, together. A whole forest may be linked together. If one tree has access to water, another to nutrients, a third to the sunlight, the trees have the means of sharing with one another. And it goes on to say, like trees in the forest, Christians in the church need to support one another, need to be there for one another. We, we need to share the blessing that God has blessed us with, with somebody else. We are blessed with the gift of his grace. We are blessed with spiritual gifts. Why? To be a blessing to somebody else. And so as we think about that today, have you received his gift of grace? If you have, who can you pass it on to this week? Are you willing to pray, Lord, lead me to somebody that needs a touch of your grace? It may be sharing the gospel. It may be somebody that needs somebody to just sit down with a cup of coffee and, and share what's on their heart. It may be a multitude of different ways, but are we willing to say, Lord, I'm available to serve. I'm available to take your grace to somebody that needs to, to see it today. Are you using the gift that God has given you to the glory of Jesus Christ? Or are you content just to sit, as someone said, sit, soak, and sour? If you're not serving, you're not growing. If you're not serving, you're headed the wrong direction there. Uh, we, we need to be careful that somehow, some way, we are taking the gifts that he's entrusted to us and we're using them for the glory of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you as we bow in prayer, if you're willing to pray, Lord, make me, make, now don't, not Pastor Dan, but make, put your name in there. Make me a blessing to somebody this week. Who can I share in their lives? Who can I be a blessing to this week. And ask God to lay just one individual on your heart that you can touch with the gift of his grace this week. Let's pray. Father, we, we just want to thank you for the multitude of blessings that we have received from you. We opened with Psalm 100. Come before your presence with singing, with thanksgiving, and we have so much to say thank you for. You've blessed us in so many ways. And yet we're mindful of the fact that we are blessed to be a blessing. 
And so, Father, as we look forward to this week, may each one of us have the desire to be a blessing to somebody else, to share in their lives, to serve them in some way, so that they may see a glimpse of Jesus Christ through us. Give us the courage to say, Lord, here am I. Use me, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, He Touched Me, number 600, or it'll be up on the, up on the screen there. But as, as we sing that song, He Touched Us, so we can touch somebody else, so we can be the blessing to that other person. Let's stand together. <clears throat>